another episode of Gravely Unusual Lives. And I've got my friend John here, and we're going to talk about some movies and all things unusual. John, how you doing today? Great. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Um, so uh, you you have a uh, you have a horror blog um, that you kind of go through, not just you know old movies and classics, uh, cl- classic kind of genre films, but you also do some newer movies too that you touch up on. Yeah, yeah. I um, it's crappy movie reviews and. Um... You know, I'm, you know, I say this, and of course, recently I threw a couple of newer films out there everybody knows about, like Super 8, but I mostly try to cover stuff, whether it's new or old, that people might not have heard about. Yeah, that's sort of quirk. I'm trying to turn people on or steer them away from stuff um, that you might not want to spend your time on. So, And I've been doing this for a, a long time. I was doing this for a very long time, even before there was an internet. So this is just kind of an extension to the sorts of things that I've been been interested in since really the the mid '80s. So have you been um, like writing about movies for a while then, right? <clears throat> yeah, actually, I was writing for movies back when you know the days of the mom and pop VHS stores, and you'd actually put something together and hey, go to the uh, copy store and photocopy some copies out. You know, um, real real actual old school fanzines and you would throw them in that because you know there were like half a dozen video stores in the town i was living in so they you know they each get their batch of copies and people would just pick them up and yeah so from that it sort of at some point i kind of got you know i got married and stuff and they moved away from that had other things to do um but then when the internet started um really in the early 2000s i started writing for a different website and that inspired me to start my own website, which I ran for a few years. Um, so, yeah, I just it's always been something I do. I've been doing it since I was in high school. That That's awesome, man. And you've actually you've contributed to um, a few articles. H- have you been in every issue of Midnight Magazine? Yeah, I was actually there when Eric was talking about starting it. I actually, um, if you look at his uh, submission guidelines and stuff, I helped him out with the submission guidelines. So from the very start, um, I've always kind of. I just helped him out and tried to give him some advice. And, and I picked a, when it first got, you know, you know, this, when you first are doing the the project and people don't really understand, you know, what's going to happen, you know, there's holes. So for the first few issues um, where there were holes at, I would just kind of, cause I had a lot of experience. I would just write whatever we needed to kind of like fill the gaps. And, um, but now, um, we're, we're far enough into it that he's got a really good stable of people and I just kind of do what I like. Um, you know, so it's, it's fun. Uh, Midnight magazine has been a real good time with Eric. I also write for, uh, before that I started, I've been writing for years for another magazine called grindhouse purgatory, which you can get on Amazon. And that one's put out by a fellow named 42nd street Pete. Oh, really? That's crazy. No way. Yeah. Pete was actually on him. He's an old school guy who was all on 42nd street in the sixties and seventies and eighties and who lived through all of that shit. So it, it's, it's not movie focused so much. It's got wrestling. Um, I do movie stuff, but they also have wrestling and uh, you know, they talk about porn and porn. And I mean, so it's just, it, it's, it, they don't review porn, but they like interview people who work. Cause it, if you think about 42nd street and a lot of the crazy grindhouse movies that we all sort of dig, um, that was all mixed up when a whole scene 
with, you know, the kind of the gritty uh, New York City of the uh, 70s, which also had a lot of porn in it. And they had yeah. grind. And it's, it's just sort of not to be able to be separated. And I didn't know, but wrestling was a huge part of that scene. You know, the same bars that the, the actors and actresses that were in adult films, you'd walk in and there'd be one of the wrestlers you just saw at the garden. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun doing that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's funny that you said that because I was actually going to bring up 42nd Street Pete because that's a whole era of, you know, film and things like that that I, you know, I've never been exposed to. I've, I've barely left, you know, Kentucky where I've, I've yeah. run, you know, so I just hear stories about these things. And, you know, I grew up, you know, there were VHS stores and mom and pop places like that. And that's where I got most of my exposure to. Um, or actually I lived beside a dilapidated old drive-in that I just saw the ruins of, but I always oh, heard really? stories about the, you know, the drive-ins and got to hear about these awesome tales of these crazy movies, you know, that, um, that now because of the internet that I'm able to kind of get exposed to and get a hold of these things, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm truly a child of the seventies and the eighties. Um, because I was born in April 1970. I'm turning 50 this month. And so as a kid, I remember the heyday of the drive-ins. The first time I ever saw Star Wars when I was a little kid was in a drive-in. Oh my, so my parents used to take, because that was an inexpensive way where we lived out. Because like you, I lived, I lived out in the sticks. Um, so we had a couple of drive-ins, and that's where you went to the movies because it was inexpensive. So I kind of missed out on the fun stuff. But what was cool is then in the 80s, when the mom and pop shops opened up there was so much need for just something on the shelves that all of that eddie romero stuff from the philippines all of the the um uh, roger corman crap everything just hit the it was like every week for like three or four years it was just amazing um because there was always a pile of shit coming out and I, I miss those days a little bit i mean it's nice having our own collections it's nice being able to find pretty damn much anything you want but you know uh, it's it's yeah, it's it was a good time. It was a good time. Oh man, I and movies have always been my jam. It's always been what I love. Um, you know, some of my earliest memories growing up are sitting on the couch with my dad. I'm watching the the horror hosted guys. Um, we had up here in Northeast Ohio. We had on Friday nights it was Hulahan and Big Chuck, and then became Big Chuck and Little John when Hulahan left. And then on Saturdays we had Superhost, who just recently passed away. Um, but so the, there was like always like my weekends, man, my weekends were spent doing that and catching the, and staying up late and watching movies. Um, and then, of course, man, we uh, I remember when we first got HBO and then there was always stuff on HBO. And then, you know, I was a teenager in the 80s, man. My my prime renting. Just think about this. I always tell people this and they, they kind of go, wow, that was uh, because I'm spoiled. My prime renting was from about 13 to graduate in high school so that'd be 83 to 88 think of all the cool yeah. horror movies that came out between 83 right that's and best then i time, get into the man. 90s i get into the 90s and i'm like man they don't make good movies anymore and yeah. people are like yeah they do they do i mean there and there are some great 90s movies but i was just so spoiled because and i'm also a huge slasher movie fan but i was just so spoiled by all the shit we were getting man oh man and that's the thing yeah. i always talk about like it 80s movies are just so batshit, man. They're just, they'll just, the plot doesn't make any sense, but it's just mm -hmm. like insane. Like, um, for example, one of my favorite 80s, it's kind of a slasher mashup monster movie, but uh, Neon Maniacs, it's just totally yeah. 
nuts. Doesn't make any sense, but it just balls to the wall insane. Hmm. And that's Wait. just the good stuff, you know what I mean? That's that's the things yeah. that they 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 can't do that stuff now and they they that's where it kind of declined in the 90s, um, I think. Have you seen Mandy? Yeah, I loved Mandy. That's what that's right? another example of some crazy <laughs> that, shit that works. Yeah. But that's old, but that's a newer movie. So I was yeah. kind of jazzed about that. And I've, I've been listening to your podcasts. Um, I also kind of feel like Bliss is one of those oddball, what the fuck am I watching yeah. movies? It's great. Um, yeah, Joe Bagos, man. I'm so excited about that dude because he did, uh, in the same year, he made Bliss in VFW, which is another fantastic film. God, VFW blew yeah. my mind, man. I, I was totally, I mean, that, that's what I even said. I said, we need more movies like this because yeah. that's the stuff that, that it's it's it keeps you on your seat and keeps you entertained. It's not oh, just yeah. about you know sending a message like a lot of horror movies do, which I'm cool with. That's that's awesome. You know, I'm glad that there's filmmakers that can pull off you know a deeper concept. But sometimes you just want to watch a movie and just watch head heads blow up and people fight and you know oh, have yeah. a good time. Um, I I have my I have my uh, Steven Seagal nights sometimes where I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm turning my damn brain off and watching Steven Seagal. Um, that's the I'm movies I'm always after that, too, but, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm always after that stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah, with Bagos, man, just think about that. Bliss and VFW, they're such different movies. That dude's got an incredible range, and right? ca- and came from you know I watched yeah. Almost Human today, and I'm like, it's not yeah. that great of a movie, but to come from Almost Human and The Mind's Eye to really, really having a having a style like uh, both movies are such. They have such style, and he's very. He, I feel like he, as a filmmaker, he's coming into his own kind of, okay. um, you know, a tour, a, a tour ship. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I agree, and this is one of the things I love about writing you know, for this because there's a, there, you know, I write for I write for my 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 site. I write for the various magazines, so I'm really plugged in with people, and I also do a weekly podcast, and that's how I got hooked up and and convinced uh, to watch some of the other stuff that I've watched. And yeah, it's really easy for somebody my age to get into. And I and I've been in at various points in the last ten years that guy where it's like they don't make anything good. I'm not watching anything. But I'm finding so many things that I just uh, enjoy the hell out of. Um, you know that it's it makes me feel good that there's there's new horror movies being made. Um, I watched. Uh, I I, I kind of didn't know what I was going into, but I watched that movie Satanic Panic. Yeah. Um, I thought that was fun. I mean, I thought that was really kind of goofy. Um, is it is it over the top bloody? No, but I mean, you know, it's it, it's it's just got some very funny shit going on. And then, um, I walked into about a month or two ago. I walked into my nameless big box store, and there was a little DVD sitting on the shelf called grabbers have you seen this one yeah yet? yeah i watched grabbers the other day actually holy shit man i yeah. pop it in i'm watching it we're about 20 minutes in and they start dropping the line about badge cannon and i'm like oh shit okay you know what and it was funny i picked that or my my co-host picked that for the show on my recommendation and the other guys watched it and they're like where did this come from and it's like man you know there are people out there making cool shit sometimes you got to look for it yeah for sure. And yeah. and now there is definitely I think in the last couple years, maybe since like 2016, there's been a lot more a lot more push for um this different this audience that me and you are, you know what I mean? Um and mm-hmm. and you know, there's a there is an audience out there that likes 
kind of the throw not just throwbacks but they are very original content as well it just has that it has that allure that some of those 80s movies have or those 70s movies have and and i think that's that's what a lot of you know mainstream horror was missing from late 90s to just about now you know what i mean there's not really much yeah early 2000s movies that aren't just like saw and hostile ripoffs you know what i mean and you you're correct it's very cyclical i mean i've been around long enough now to realize and recognize that um but you know like you get somebody like bloomhouse they and they got a formula and they make those ghost movies which i'm not a fan of that's not my gig but if you love them cool cool beans man i'm I'm happy for you you know, it's a, but it's a formula. And the thing about Bloomhouse that I respect is they've got the Corman formula down. Yes, yeah, Rod, yeah. Roger Corman only ever made one movie that lost money, and it was the one time he tried to go serious, right? And Bloomhouse is continually either theatrically or streaming, finding homes for their movies and making their money. That's why they keep making them. Mm-hmm. And they can do it on a, a, a like like Corman's. <laughs> it's basically like you said, yep. Corman's formula. It's that philosophy. It's that low budget, less money but makes yeah. a bunch of money at the box office. That's why they can yeah. keep going because they can have an audience, which actually the, I, I saw um, Lee Wennell's movie upgrade, which I was very impressed with. And I, oh, yeah. I didn't think I would like it, but it's actually this kind of like, it has this eighties, you know, uh, blade runner ripoff kind of feel, but it's like cyborg almost. So it had this, it had a very fresh feel to it. And I really enjoyed it. And invisible man was okay, but um, I, I, there was some parts that I didn't like, but like I said, I mean, some people really dig that and that's totally cool. And, you know, I respect that, you know I mean? That, that people yeah. have their own opinions about movies, you know? I haven't watched either of those. Um, I'll probably get around to them. Um, I did find one that popped up on Netflix that I had never heard of called Sweetheart. Um, have you heard of this no, one? No, it's I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, my friend Kyle, again, a, a buddy of mine, he, he was like, he sends me a text and I get to, and, and I read the text and I'm like, okay, well now I got to watch this. And he basically said, sweetheart is, is that Tom Hanks movie Castaway, except the lead act, except the lead character is an actress, a woman. And instead of just on the Island with a, uh, with uh, Wilson, he, she's on the Island with a giant fish monster. That sounds incredible. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well now I got to watch this. And I was expecting something very gooey and silly. Um, and actually what I got was like a really cool, like, you know, horror film that's got character development. And I'm like, and I actually was like really rooting and caring for this character by the end of the movie. And I'm just like, okay, okay, movie, you did some. And, and I could, you know, I'm watching with a critical eye because I've, I've kind of really, you know, all these years of watching these movies and I've read, I've read a ton of books because I, I'm not. For me, I'm not. It's not enough just to know I like or don't like something. I gotta know why. So I'm watching this with a critical eye, and I'm like, man, they're making a badass movie, but it's basically one outdoor location, a minimal cast because some of the I'm almost spoilers, but there's a couple other people that wash up on the island. It's like a minimal cast with like maybe four people. Um, so four actors. They're shooting outside. You know, basically two locations: a beach location and, and an area on the and the inside of the island. Um, and the way they cut it, they don't actually have to have the camera like hardly ever moving or going through any difficult terrain. And I'm just like, man, they shot this thing efficiently and it's really well written and really well acted. And and they made it for next to nothing and it popped up on Netflix. And I'm sure they got the check they got from Netflix was more than enough to cover it. So, again, man, it's that formula they got. They just know, you know, I, I, I very much appreciate that because I've read tons of books 
about Roger Corman, about some of the really great independent filmmakers that always had to shoot things, but they had to be very careful um, with their shots so that they didn't do any single shot that would cost them a lot of money or require extra equipment. Um, I'm I, My real passion is, whether it's from the 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s, is low-budget filmmaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that stuff, but... I mean, I don't, I don't know what kind of you, if you have a cutoff, but like, I mean, I regularly watch, and this is why I don't get a lot of the new movies, uh, or it takes me a while to catch up, is I regularly watch stuff from the 30s all the way up to now. That's that's my obsession right now is <clears throat> like, I, I like I said, I love 30s. I love all film. I'm a huge film. Anything I can watch, I'll absorb it. Right now, I'm in a huge, like 50s monster movie kick, like um. Like Quartermass Experiment, I'm I'm really into mm-hmm. that. I'm into uh, Cal Tiki. That's like I'm obsessed with Cal Tiki. I watch it like four times in the last week. I love those black and white. Like isn't just wait, isn't Cal Tiki the one? I think Cal Tiki's the one Mario Bava worked on. Yeah, yeah, it was him and another director. I forgot his name, but yeah. they yeah the other he, the he other guy it over. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which it's such yeah. a great. It's low budget. I mean, there is some kind of like extensive locations but then again you know this is italian filmmaking so it could just be something that was over there but um it's it's got just a great just idea to it and um i actually got i'd always heard of it but i never watched but i read a book that cited it um as such a good i like just such a good kind of pessimistic idea of this amorphous blob unable to be stopped taking over the world and that's just a cool concept to me. There was just this big paranoid fear uh, back then. You know what I mean? And everybody mm-hmm. was kind of touching on that idea. Well, you know, the you know, most of those films are all just individual reactions to the Cold War and the idea that any moment everybody's lights could be snuffed out. Yeah, you and know, I find that so yeah. interesting, too, that it yeah. just kind of affected the media so much. Well, yeah, and you get that's why you get the big bug movies. You get all these... Um, now, most of them are the the bug or whatever. The aliens are defeated at the end. Um, but, you know, every once in a while within that, that, that area of the 50s, you get these gems. And, you know, it's funny you're talking about Caltiki and it's funny you're talking about Quartermass because Quartermass is a British film. And the British were doing some really interesting stuff. And they did a movie in England with American actor Dana Andrews. Have you ever seen Night of the Demon? Yes, I love Night of the Demon. I was just talking yeah. about that the yeah. other day. Yeah, the uh, the guy that shot Night of the Demon, I believe the director is Jack Tornare. Yeah, it is. It Jack. is. It is. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I love and, Cat and, People and Val Lewis yeah, movies with him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's an excellent film. And then one of my all time favorite fifties films um, is a British production, and it's surprisingly, it gets kind of goofy at the end, but like it's very atmospheric and surprisingly gruesome towards the beginning. And that's a movie called um, The Crawling Eye, which I always prefer. It's uh, it's original title, the Trollenberg terror. I, um, yeah. I love crawling eye too. I always, yeah, I, I've never yeah. heard it called the Trollenberg terror, but I actually saw that, that on Amazon prime the other day. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was so funny because the Trollenberg terror has a few extra scenes in it. Um, and I went and bought one of those cheap ass budget crawling eye, like good time entertainment, super thin case DVDs. And I came home and I, I'm like, well, this is this. At least I own a copy. And I threw it in my player and the title card came up and it said Trollenberg Terror. And I'm like, holy shit, did I just get the uncut version from England? And sure enough, it's the uncut. So just kind of at random, I'm just like, oh, this is so cool. That's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, there's a bit more uh, at the beginning when the when the the hiker loses his head. There's a bit more with that, and then they linger on that that zombie guy that comes down that's being controlled by the aliens. They linger on him a little bit more. It's a little creepier. It's funny <clears throat> because um, you know you're talking about watching all these movies and we're really focusing on 50 stuff. That's what I grew up in. And that's, it's weird to say that, but I, I was with my grandfather a lot as a kid and that's what would be on the TV all the time. It is either a Western or a fifties. And he always called it sci-fi flick, whether it was horror or not. He'd be like, I'd like the, I love those old sci-fi movies. And mm-hmm. that's what we'd watch. We'd watch those movies and it'd be on continuous repeat or the twilight zone or outer limits. And, um, that's kind of what I grew up in and that's kind of what pushed me into this kind of whole interest in horror movies and stuff like that. So I, I love it all. You know what I mean? Like I got posters of, you know, invisible man to uh, creature of the black lagoon to, you know, invaders of the saucer men. So, <laughs> yeah, you see now there's a movie nobody appreciates um, invasion of the saucer men you know, because if you if, if you I always try to get people, turn people on to that movie because I'm like, watch it. And they're like, OK, it was just a silly dumb. No, you didn't pay attention. It was in the midst of the 50s. And you have a movie that's completely ripping on the government, ripping on the military. You didn't do that in the 50s. This is a completely subversive film. You're totally missing what makes it awesome. Is there completely they're not just picking on the horror genre because in that one, like the army's incompetent and they just sort of meander around. You never got that in a fifties monster movie. It's funny. Cause it's like how, <clears throat> how, that you said that because the way it's portrayed is almost like those, um, you know, like hysterical movies like reefer madness or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cocaine fiends. It reminds me of that because it shows all these teens up to no good. Oh yeah. Like how, you know, you get that in fifties movies, but it's done in such a subversive way that it appears to be almost like it's propaganda sometimes, you know? Yeah, and it's it just, um, and this one, it, it very much feels to me like a parody. Yeah. And it, it's just, you're watching it and you're like, and you know, I grew up watching all of those movies. I mean, you know, I in the 70s, I watched a lot of late night films. We had a lot of, you know, pre-cable guys. There was like several UHF stations. You would be able to slowly sort of flip the buttons and move the antenna and kind of get in. So they all were playing anything cheap they could find. So they, I, you know, they had all, most all these channels had different AIP movies and anything, you know, 50s movies. The, before VHS, none of these had value. They were basically giving these films away and, you know, letting them broadcast uh, constantly. Um, and, you know, so this is, this, this was, you know, this is what I did, man, you know. Yeah, I remember my first little black and white TV, and I'd be sitting up there, and it'd just be one monster movie after another. Um, and there, you know, actually, the one of the stations got a bunch of the Hammer films somehow, and I watched a bunch of the Hammer films, and it, I it wasn't until I was fourteen or fifteen years old that I realized they were in color because <laughs> <laughs> I was watching I was watching them on an old black and white TV, and man, everything else is black and white, so. Now, did they yeah. edit these movies for television back then, or did they just play just the the raw cut? Because some of the Hammer movies would, are, you know, well, pretty. It would depend, because you know, back in the day, um, what they would do when they would show like a movie on your local TV station, um, they would load the film backwards so that the image would be reversed, and then they would line it up, and then they would point a camera at it, and they would start playing the movie. So it so when the camera picked it up, it would reverse it back. So you were actually watching a lot of times a sixteen millimeter print 
And it would just depend if, as these prints floated around from community to community, you know, if it was, if if Bob in Kentucky decided that's not okay for my community, and he made a snip here and there, and then spliced the film back together, when that mo- when that when that copy of the film got to Alabama, that's the copy they had because he wasn't putting it back in. Wow, that's I did not know that. That's yeah, that's how crazy. they did it in the sixties and into the seventies. Heard of these little? I mean, you know, the the bigger network, um, like the the bigger TV stations started fixing and doing different things, but a lot of the little independent stations that were on UHF um, all the way up till basically the 70s when tape took over. Um, that's how they did it. Wow. Which is why which is why every once in a while you'll buy a, a movie, a 16 millimeter print of something off the uh, off the internet. And I have friends that, that collect actual film and they're like, why is this fucking thing backwards? I'm like, TV print. So <laughs> be ready because hey, if it's backwards and it's anything that was slightly rated R, you probably got one that's cut the hell up. That's crazy. That's nuts, man. I had no idea. Yeah. It's it's wild how the analog era was for TV and like broadcasting and stuff cuz I um in the late probably like 99, maybe 2000, um I did I wanted to be an actor for some reason, so my mom would like push me to act on these public access shows. So I, mm-hmm. I acted on a public access like kind of like Saturday Night Live ripoff and I got to like see how they did it and the editing process in this small studio in Kentucky and it was a pretty interesting you know experience on how everything was shot and stuff and it was it was awful quality but yeah it was definitely it was you know and you you got to see how that's and and you know it's totally not like that anymore the way it's shot you know everything's digital everything is so easy it's crazy Um, that film is such a it's like a frowned upon you know way to like Joe Bagos he shoots those movies on 16 millimeter I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I don't know if VFW was but I know Bliss was for a fact no, Joe Bagos is is one of the few guys he, he actually uh, he actually was tweeting about it he's one of the few independent filmmakers in 2020 that can look at his shelf and see that he has both digital copies of his films he's also got the 35 millimeter print they took around with, because VFW toured around the states on with a 35 millimeter print i know i wanted to go so bad in uh pittsburgh and i missed it man i was so excited to go but yeah i remember they were doing a tour with that that would have been awesome yep see it's just you know it's different um you know i actually was uh talking to oh god greg lamerson who did um um greg lamerson did slime city you ever seen slime city no, no, but I, yeah, it's on my really, list. Yeah, he he did Slime City, but there's a box set. He did like two or three other movies that he shot on VHS. And my friend and I, years ago, when we were doing our old show, we we were talking about it. And 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 then I actually got a hold of Greg and said, "Dude, I really appreciate you because when he was shooting on VHS, you have to light for a video camera, especially that tech in the '90s. You have to light differently than you're if you're shooting film, and the same goes with digital. So my fear, and this is what I'm getting around to, you know. So every medium is lit differently and has different tricks. And my fear is now in 2020, in the next 10, 15, 20 years, everybody that knows how to shoot on 35, that we're going to lose that knowledge. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't mind digital. Digital's cool. Um, but there is something about a movie that was shot um, and shot with the intention of showing um, on film. 
It's just, it really is different. Um, is, and I know it's you not can, realistic. It's the grain. I don't know what it is. It's just the way the image looks. You can, it's like you can see it's the, not the rawness clear. of the light. You know what yeah. I mean? Ooh, and you know, I always say digital doesn't help everything. Um, I, one of my favorite movies, you know, I, I love Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th. And if you pay close attention, they've got this new, um, newer, I mean, they got another new one coming out, but the most recent um, uh, HD release on Blu-ray, you watch it and you can see the seams in Savini's work. And everybody's like, well, and I'm like, but he, sh but that was 1980. He, he, they did the tests knowing that it wouldn't show when they showed it in 35. You wouldn't see the seams, but you can actually see the skin tones and you can see where the appliances are now. Um, same with the burning, um, which is kind of a drag. It's kind of a drag. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, you I read something somewhere where someone was talking about seeing a film <clears throat> in 35 print, you know, on the big screen, you see all these scratches and things on the film yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it but you see it in digital you don't have to worry about that so i guess it's how you want to look at you know the aesthetic value of yeah, how you, you know you know view the medium you could i mean you could rip into 35 millimeter print if you're really worried about that but but yeah i mean film film is an actual physical thing that gets damaged um and and yeah i mean that that happens but it just it, you know, I just I get I get annoyed. People go, "Whoa, his effects aren't that great because of blah." And I'm like, "Dude, you're looking at it with technology 40 years later that they could not have predicted you could see it." I mean, they're de when you do practical effects work, you're designing it to look good for what you're shooting. You know, and it's just kind of a drag. I pr I'm an old school effects guy. Um, give me a dude in a rubber suit um, any day of the week over digital. Um, now there's some movies, dude. That new Godzilla movie that came out, that was amazing. Oh, I I did not, yeah, I did, haven't got to see it. I loved the the first one. I didn't get to see King of Monsters though. I heard it was great. Yeah, King of Monsters is great. The only my only problem with that first Godzilla movie they did, um, and I know they were universe building, and it really starts to pay off now in the second one. But man, you didn't get enough Godzilla in that film. Agreed. I wouldn't work Godzilla. Totally agreed. <laughs> it was and in yeah, in this in this new one. There's Godzilla, there's Mothra, there's King Ghidra, there's all. I mean, if you're a, if you're a kaiju fan, you're gonna be like, oh shit, yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge. I'm, I love kaiju, man. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Uh, yep, my my favorite is Godzilla versus the sea monster, which is just basically a giant lobster. But <laughs> it's yeah. that era where you know Godzilla was very silly and had those '70s scores, you know, with the drums and mm -hmm. the heavy bass lines. Like that's. That's I love that. That's what I I always watched as you know a kid is the hokey ones. So, well, I'm because they were everywhere. Yeah, I mean that was I don't know about your area, but like when I was a kid growing up, and and even when I was in college. So that'd be about the time you were a kid, and and when I first got married, Saturday morning you'd be cartoons on. And then everywhere I've ever lived, about one or two o'clock, somebody somewhere was playing Godzilla movies. Yep, that that's me, man. Si it's old like, sci-fi like, was like that. You know, you oh yeah. You'd yeah, watch that, that and TNT. And the new sci the sci-fi channel is gone. I'm I miss the old sci-fi channel. Me too, man. They used to show like great they, they even their like original content, the awful movies were better than than they are now cuz now it's like yeah. cool to be that way, but yeah, yeah sci-fi has just Shark turned Nader. into con or just like basically like con news now. Mhm. Mm yeah, it's um Sharknado kind of ruined that. It became yeah. hip to be. It became hip to make that kind of movie, 
And then everybody tried to make it. And I'm just like, nah, guys, you have to understand if you're making the movie at the same time, you're insulting the audience that's watching the movie. You've missed the point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, um, understand that people that enjoy these cheese ball movies, enjoy them because they're cheese ball movies, not because they're being hipsters. Right. Dude, I'll never forget watching sci-fi and the movie Gargoyles. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But, oh, yeah, um, the, the 1970s one. Yeah. Uh, TV movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it used to scare film. the shit out of me because there's a part where the gargoyle grabs the girl and lifts her up, man, and you can mm-hmm. see its wings flapping. Oh, and, yeah. oh, man, it used to terrify me as a kid. Then you I know, think that's it's so corny, but it was so terrifying as a kid. Yeah, I think that's early Rick Baker effects. Really? I've been wanting to yeah. get that Rick Baker book, but it's like $200, man. Yeah, I mean, you had to be hardcore into effects to to drop that kind of cash. I, I'm I'm not gonna drop two hundred bucks on something like that. No, because I look at it like I look at it. Well, that's ten DVD or ten Blu-rays. Exactly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but I actually special ordered, not special order, but uh, they do that burn on demand stuff, and I it's, that's the only way I could ever get a nice copy of Gargoyle. So I've actually got a copy of Gargoyle sitting on the shelf, burn on demand. So yeah. Yeah, Gargoyles is great. Um, it, it's funny because I'll I regardless of poor quality i'll watch any obscure movie i can find um revoc.com and i don't even know if this site i I think it's still you can still order from there but i don't know if like they still put out new movies but they have like i think they're just vhs scans but they're they're dvds and there's no like special stuff on there no extras (laughs) it's just a a bad bad transfer of it and there's sometimes there's japanese subtitles in there but man it's like like i saw this movie young warriors and Mm. it is just a phenomenal revenge you know kid revenge flick like teenager revenge flick and you know i'm i haven't seen it ever put out on blu-ray yet this is the only way i can watch it Mm. or like you know uh enzo um movie hammer uh I've never seen that on Blu-ray ever yet. So there's a lot of movies that on there that haven't been, you know, got that nice touch yet from, you know, Severin or, you know, Vinegar Syndrome yet. There's, um, and it just actually ties back in uh, to what I'm going to do for the magazine. Is I'm, I'm going to write for your magazine, which I'm, I'm excited about. Um, you know, uh, the made-for-TV stuff, um, that is never, I don't think, ever going to get the proper treatment. Um and you know it's there's a lot of amazing shit just like you say that's never going to come out it's never going to get a proper release um you know people know about the kolchak movies that's not going to be an issue kolchak is like a known commodity now but like there's a lot i have a passion and if you actually look at my um at my website there's a whole category a whole list of i have a all set for made for tv movies that i've covered so far and and this is the shit that was in heavy rotation when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, I've I've covered like 27 of them and I've gotten to some obscure stuff. Um, but I got one I got to recommend to you. I don't know if you ever ever heard it, but it's called A Cold Night's Death. And it's uh, from 1973. It's an ABC movie of the week. You can I think you can still find it on YouTube. And it stars and this is back when you could get some good people to do tv movies it's got robert culp and eli wallach in it wow (laughs) yeah and it's to those two dudes basically get dropped off on top of a mountain at this research facility 
to to test they're testing on on chimpanzees and and apes like that you know at high altitude for some nasa thing right but it's them two dudes up there and the dude that was up there before him like killed himself they're like wow why would he do this and then they're up there and then each of them thinks the other one's going crazy and again i don't like spoilers or anything neither of them are going crazy but there's some shit going down and in the end it's just such a creepy movie and it's very simple two actors one location it's so but they're but it's two amazing actors you know that that sounds um, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cold Night's Death, man. It's a TV movie. I think you still get it on YouTube. Um, but that's a great film. And but but like you say, there are, there people think everything's come out, and I'm like, no, not so much. Um, there's a lot of stuff um, that just has never gotten a release, and I don't think ever will. I just I just verified for anybody that's caring to listen. Um, it is still on YouTube in multiple locations. Um, yeah, it's about an hour and 15 minutes of your time because it's a TV movie and it's well worth well worth checking out. I'm definitely going to watch that. That's that sounds yeah. awesome. There is there's so much stuff, especially like it's not unheard of now for made for TV. That's not even a thing anymore. Made for TV. Usually it's just, you know, you have Netflix, you have HBO series yeah, that yeah, are amazing, yeah. you know, and it's not unheard of for TV to be better than film sometimes. But you know, back then, you know, I remember at one point in my life, I was like, oh, it's a made for TV movie. But, you know, there is a lot like everybody's heard of Trilogy of Terror, you know, Kolchak, you know, mm-hmm. Night Stalker and Night Strangler. Those are great. And, you know, even I, I don't know if Dead of Night was made for TV, but I, I think hey, it was. And everything, everything you just mentioned is Dan Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, Dan Curtis yeah. and uh, Dan two Curtis are Richard Matheson, I'm pretty shit. sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, Richard Matheson wrote a lot with with Dan Curtis. But yeah. Um, Dan Curtis did um, right after he got Kolchak um, got shut down. He did another one um, that's great. I don't know if you've seen it called the Norless Tapes. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. The Norless Tapes. It was a launch for another series, and it was a researcher who was writing a book, and he gets caught in some supernatural shit, and his publisher doesn't hear from him forever. Goes to his house. And starts listening to the tapes. And the first story was laid out. Basically has Angie Dickinson in it. And her husband comes back as a zombie. And that was supposed to be... That was the pilot that never got picked up. That sounds awesome, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Dan yeah. Dan Curtis and, dominated the, you know, the television, you know, circuit, I guess, for, you know, the time he was very popular, I guess. He, he knew how to be spooky. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, Dan Curtis also did Dark Shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Shadows. Yeah. Yeah, that he's a he's a guy that if you're all right, uh, I'm going to use a terminology here about it. I need to explain it first. Um, you know, I feel like there's people like us who like this shit. Yeah, there's various levels of liking the shit, but like you know, in, in within a group like us, when who Dan Curtis is, but then you have the regular people, or as I like to call them, the normies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people that could name all the housewives or whatever. Right. They don't know who Dan Curtis is. And that's a damn shame because Dan Curtis did so much stuff that, I mean, basically almost anything the guy touched turned to gold. You know, he just couldn't keep a series running. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know. I should say that Dark Shadows was on forever, but other than Dark Shadows. Yeah. And it's sad because, you know, TV can be such a great medium and, 
you know they're like the like like we were talking about there's a lot of movies that will never be seen by you know a bigger audience and it it, it is a shame and you know but you know it also keeps the keeps the drive you know i'm always looking to see as much mm-hmm. material as i can well and that's why that's why when you know we were talking about me writing for for gravely unusual i was like i need to find a hook because every everything that i do like i do you know i plug in but i got my regular features for for midnight magazine i've got my regular feature and theme i know what i want to do for each grindhouse purgatory so for you that's why i decided holy shit you know i got all this stuff about tv movies that i absolutely love so i'm going to start talking about that so like um you know i'm not going to do any spoilers on what's going to be showing up for my article for the next episode, or for the next issue, of I'm trying Mutual. to like hold off of even like dropping any information because I've read it yeah. a couple times and I keep wanting to like bring up stuff in it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to save this because I can't yeah. get too excited on the show. So well, people, like, you know, I've already, I'm already working on the next one and it's all TV stuff. Um, and I found something else that's equally bizarre, which I can talk to you about offline. But, but it's like there, there's so much. And it's funny because with the internet, pretty much you would think everything's been talked to death. You know, and this is funny when you start a magazine, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but, but you know, you start a magazine or you ask somebody to write for a website, and they always come up and go, cool, I'd love to write about Evil Dead. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, dude, everybody's, uh, unless you worked on it, you got nothing to say that hasn't already been said, it's, which is why. It's crazy you say that yeah. because literally <clears throat> talking to Bruce Campbell, I read his biography and he told me everything that was in that book and yeah. the way i feel like it's like everything has been said there's not much more you can say about the movies right which is why when i cover shit i cover things like stanley which you know on my website it's my favorite drive-in movie hey talk about the killer worm movie squirm you squirm might is awesome about. yes i love yeah. squirm <laughs> yeah. uh you know we i i love me some rutger hauer so um, my friend and i hadn't seen split second until this last year or so and my friend my friend um my 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 friend tim uh was like dude you gotta check out split second and i watched split second and i loved it in fact um the the eric who does midnight magazine we do this outdoor cinema or he goes, he sets up his backyard and we all sit in lawn chairs and we project the movie up on a screen he's built. And we actually did a double feature for Rudger Hauer of Split Second and um, Blind Fury. So the, the blind, where he's playing the blind samurai sword kind of wielding guy. And then Split Second, which is him fighting against a monster. But the best part was, is I dug up vhs copies of both so we watched them outside projected but they were actually being played on vhs that's just to double awesome. down on the nerdness <laughs> yeah, right? yeah 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 that's so, badass you know, you know for me and i always try to tell people whenever we're contributing to any whether it's a magazine a website or whatever you know you want to pick shit that nobody knows you want to pick the shit you're passionate about i mean yeah you know on my on my well my on my blog i i get around to the stuff you know i'm my favorite all-time movie ever is Dawn of the Dead. Romero's Dawn of the Dead. That's not, I've been I've been to all the shooting locations. I love that thing. I mean, this is uh, meeting Romero was like the greatest moment, one of the greatest moments of my life. That's right? that's there. crazy, man. I couldn't even imagine. But, <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't at a convention. He was he was kind of sitting on a couch and doing an appearance for a cousin of his in Pittsburgh. They were opening up a tattoo parlor. So I walk in. It's me. Romero and Savini are sitting on a couch. 
and there's maybe 10, 15, 20 people in the room. So there's like no rush. And he's, and it was the first time and the only time in my entire life I ever got totally tongue tied. I was just like, my wife actually talked to Romero more than I did. Cause I was just like, uh, <laughs> you know, but it was cool. But you know, but, but like I cover that stuff, but man, you know, what I feel, I don't know how you feel, but like whether it's my website or whatever, I'm contributing to something else. I want to turn you on to something you haven't seen before. You know, yes, I will cover the stuff that everybody talks about because I also love that stuff. But like, you know, I I want the whole point is, is we need to be like, you know, getting on each other and be like, dude, you got to check out this. You got to check out that, Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's just kind of what I do. Um, it personally, it's point. hard for me to write about stuff that's been covered so many times. I, I couldn't even write something about Night of the Living Dead or Evil Dead. I couldn't write something about even Friday the 13th or something like that. I have to find something that, I, yeah. even if it's new to me, that's what makes the experience of writing it more interesting and more compelling and you know, I'm talking about something that, hey, watch this whether you like it or not, but this is, you know, this is why I'm talking about it. You know, it was funny you say that because I was one point tasked by somebody like, okay, I want you to write about Night of the Living Dead because they knew I loved the movie. And I had the same problem that you did. I have trying to write it, trying, it was really difficult. And finally, I just kind of like started hammering away at the keyboard, just like whatever comes out, comes out, let's see what we get. And I ended up writing this like four page article about watching it. I had a very vivid memory of sitting on the couch with my father watching it and all the things that were going on, the popcorn, him telling me now this isn't real. And I looked at him and go, of course this isn't real. Those are zombies. That's not a real thing, dad. (laughs) Um, You know, and I must've been like seven, right? Seven or eight. And I remember my mom being like, this is too scary for him. And I'm like, it's not really scary. Um, and so that's what the article ended up being because much like you said, what am I going to say that we don't already know? You know, I got nothing new to bring. So the only thing I had new to bring for that, and I submitted it kind of nervous that that wasn't what they wanted, but he loved it. The guy that I wrote it for loved it. So that was cool. But it was like, this is what I got, you know, this is, and it's not about me, but it's about, I'm trying to give you something different about the movie because I, you know. Let's be honest. You, you, I don't. You've probably read. I mean, I'm assuming anybody that puts out their own fanzines probably read a bunch, and or at least tried to seek them out. And sometimes you're sitting there reading it, and you're like, "I dig it, man. It's a movie we all love." Mm-hmm. And and you know, it's like it's like, and I did it myself. Like when I wrote the Night of the Living Dead review for my website, I did talk about you know it was a black protagonist, and it was all, and you know, and it did, didn't hurt that I just watched horror noir. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, so it was like, uh, yeah, you know, and, and I hit all of the points. And, you know, when I wrote about Dawn, which is my favorite movie, I talked about consumerism and all that that stuff that was in there, which is important. I'm not dismissing it. But anybody that's spent any time looking at this movie or reading about this movie, that's all there already, man. I'm not giving you anything new. And, and for me, it feels kind of pointless. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I think... Mm-hmm. I think it is, it is, you know, you, you brought a personal experience to the movie that no one else could, you know, no one else could have ever heard of yet, you know, but you know, there is a lot of stuff out there that people are just writing about the same old stuff over and over again. And, you know, okay. For example, 
a big thing now is lists. There's, you know, top yeah. 10 best movies of the last the eighties or something, whatever, you know, and it's always the same movies, like, you know, top five scariest movies ever, you know, what movies you're going to get the exorcist, the Texas chainsaw massacre. And they're going to be talking about how, Oh, Toby Hooper intended for this to be, you know, a, you know, PG movie, you know, there's not a lot of gore in it or the exorcist people fainted and stuff like that, you know? Um, but like, that's why I think it's important for, you know, especially writers of fanzines and stuff, because this is the people that want to know about the readers of the fanzines are the ones that want to know about the stuff that they haven't found out about yet. That's why they're reading yeah, the fanzines. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause you know, the, let's be honest, the normies, again, I'm going to use my name, my, my terminology, the normies, yeah, they're not, they're not going to know the shit we're going to know. And, and those lists you're talking about, they're actually written for the normies who like the mainstream stuff and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's funny because you bring that list up it is every so often on on the show that I do with Kyle and Tim. Hey, Kyle's like, got a list for you. And then he lays out the, the, the list that the website, whatever he got it from, had it. The, you know, then he goes through the list and then we get to the end of the list. And and Tim and I tear it apart because you're like, well, these people have clearly never seen this or never, never seen that. You know, the um, you mo listen, man, somebody. Uh, and I won't I won't pick on the website, but somebody one of the big websites had like the most disturbing movie you have ever seen. And it was full of all the torture porn movies, Ugh. which is fine. Yeah. That shit's that shit can mess with people. Yeah. You know what's not on it? Cannibal Apocalypse <laughs> or Cannibal Holocaust. I yeah. should say Cannibal yeah. Holocaust. Apocalypse is kind of messed up, too. But like Cannibal Holocaust is not on there. Um. If you have top 10 most disturbing movies you've ever seen and Cannibal Holocaust ain't on it, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, it's it's like, this is not my opinion. You clearly have never watched that movie. So spend less time making lists and more time watching movies. It's, it's weird because a lot of people that, you know, I don't have a lot of friends that are kind of, you know, crazy about all this stuff. I don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends don't even have never read my magazine, <laughs> but um, it when I try to tell them about certain movies or you know coworkers, hey guys, you got to watch this movie I watch. I don't even suggest half of them because I know they couldn't get through the opening credits of it. You know what I mean? Oh I, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I could never, you know, I I could never suggest half the movies I watch. I could never be like, hey, I got this movie called night beast you gotta watch <laughs> mm. you know they'd be like hey that's a guy in a stupid suit and he's shooting these fake lasers at people and they're disappearing <laughs> and you know yeah that, that's they're like that's dumb you know they wouldn't get the just the mystique about the filmmaking process and making a monster movie or making a horror movie you know yeah, hey, and you know, along the same lines, what you said, huh? I got another kind of a Holocaust story for you. So I'm at work. You know, I, I always, I always tell my my wife and everybody, I, I love October because October I'm normal because everybody's watching the same movies I'm watching, but I watch them all year long. And so I had a colleague at work come up to me and says, "I want to watch something messed up," and I'm like, "No, you don't." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, yeah, I do." And I'm like, well, you're, you messed up or me messed up? He's like, no, I want to watch something that messed with you. And I'm like, I'm warning you not to do this. And he's like, no, man, 
because he's you know it's, it's that I, I guess a macho BS challenge like I'm gonna eat the spiciest wings even if it causes me to have like you know an ulcer. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right. So I went. I'm like, tell you what, man, Cannibal Holocaust. He's like, I'm gonna find that movie and watch it. A couple days later, I'm at work. He walks in and he looks at me and I look. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> and turned around and walked out. And I'm like, oh, he watched the movie. But, you know, it's like, key, you asked. So now I'm like, when somebody asks, I just like, I like you, I automatically put the filter on. I'm like, no, you don't want John fucked up. You want you fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Right? You don't, you don't, you're, you're not rising to the level of disturbing shit that I've seen. I mean, you know, and I, I, I guess it's not really fair because I know there's more disturbing shit. But for me, kind of the gold standard because of the actual animal killings on screen, which is always kind of a little effed up yeah and and combined with such really well done special effects um i always consider cannibal holocaust to be kind of like my gold standard for like yeah this movie just fucked i i just i don't even know why um well-made movie but it's definitely a must watch oh yeah yeah if you're into this stuff you're gonna watch it and you know what you're gonna watch it you're gonna appreciate it and most people that i know they say, oh, I'm going to watch this every, but they end up not. They they just kind of, when they go through their collection, they just pass over it. You know, because, cause, you know, most people don't want that, especially with the world as it is. You don't need that kind of shit. You know? Yeah. And then again, every once in a while, every few, every five, six years, I pop it out, stick it in. Yep, it's still as fucked up as I remember being <laughs> back on the shelf. I mean, I've had it on uh, VHS. So I've had it on DVD. Um, and if it ever comes out on Blu-ray, which it probably is out on Blu-ray, but if the next time I go to watch it and it's on Blu-ray, I'll buy a copy there. I, I it's, it's, <clears throat> you know, I, I, with all this quarantine stuff going on, you know, people are like, they'll hit me up and like, dude, give me a, a list of, you know, good movies to watch. They're like, give me a list of horror movies. That's what someone texted me the other day. Mm-hmm. said, oh, okay. They're like, and they said the classics. So I gave them a list and, you know, I put like, <clears throat> I ran out of, you know, ideas. I just, you know, said the, some obvious ones. And then I threw in like the beyond on there. And I was like, mm. I probably shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? They're going to see yeah. like a spider eating someone apart, uh, you know, some eyes popping out and, you know, anytime you throw a Fulci on any list, you, they best be ready. Yeah. Cause... Yeah. And I, that was at the bottom of the list too. I'm like, they're going to yeah. watch this at the last minute. Cause I think it's even on Hulu now, which is very weird, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I threw that in it's, there. That's awesome, though, because Fulci, man, when I was in the, in the 80s and 90s, you know, people knew Argento. People knew Romero. People knew, obviously, like Wes Craven and the big ones. Um, but Fulci was always big to us. Like the dudes that hung out in the video store talking horror movies. But, like, people didn't really, and a lot of people were, were not really into Fulci. Um, and then it's like in the, with the DVD and then, um, I think it was blue underground that started putting initially, no, I think it was anchor Bay that started first putting out some of the stuff. Um, and then blue underground picked it up and ran with it. But all of a sudden that shit started hitting and the Fulci stuff started getting out there and people started finding it and just, it, it kind of like, it was almost overnight. Everybody was talking about Fulci, which was awesome. Cause the dude, he deserves all the all of the all of the. He does, dude. If you want to talk about someone that has put in some work, 
that dude yeah. has put in work as a filmmaker. Yep. Yep. He um not always the greatest movies, but there's normally always something in a Fulci movie that you'll that sticks with you, which I, I give him credit for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sometimes they're not coherent <clears throat> whatsoever, but no. um they are there there's anytime you watch one, it's there's always something you can take from it. Like Dude, uh, there's at least one visual that sticks with you. Yeah, yeah. If you, think, if you say zombie, it's you know, for most people it's the eye. Yeah, you know, from beyond, you know, you got that. That for me, from beyond is the the, um, no, I think that's Gates of Hell. The, the where he goes with the axe through the. I always think of yeah. the intestines in um. Gates oh of yeah. Hell. Oh man, yeah, that vomiting part, up. Yeah. God, that's such a yeah. nasty yeah. part, and you know, just to even, and, and he has the same shots in every movie, but they're so great. Just the, the zoom in oh, on yeah. the eyes and the, the just, you know close-ups of the face real quick you know they're they're just so just those cut scenes are just great man and that's he has his own style even his westerns man his three westerns i think he did are um i love for the apocalypse man i, I love that movie i think it's such a cool crazy concept could it have done, been done better sure but there's not a lot of westerns that are like that movie hey, but but it's a faulty i mean that's all the thing you when you're watching a faulty movie you know you're watching a faulty movie yeah um you know filmmakers for some reason, people seem to feel like it's like it's got it's almost like a bad like a bad word. It's like, well, no, you you bring your your style to a movie. Um, people are like, no, man, it needs to be with it. I'm like, no, man. Hey, if you're the director, you put your stamp on it. It's going to have. I mean, I don't like the lens flare flares, but if you're watching a J.J. Abrams flick, there's going to be lens flares in there. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. I mean, he could he could do like a couple of people sitting at a diner talking, and somehow he's going to get a lens flare in. Well, you know, uh, and I think that's what makes I, – I like being able to identify the filmmaker. I think that's, I agree. I think it makes them a better filmmaker just like we were talking about Mandy. You can see in Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy that it, you can tell it's the same filmmaker. You can tell it's, you know, mm-hmm. Panos Cosmatos. You know what I mean? And that's great. That's, that's, that's awesome. And I think that's what a lot of movie makers don't get. A lot of people – here's the thing is – Making a movie now is so much easier than yeah. it was even ten years ago, especially twenty years ago. And you know, you know, someone's like, "Now, oh man, I'm I want to make a movie," so they pick up these cameras. And for example, like a there was a local, and I'm not knocking anybody. I I've never made a movie. I would like to. That'd be cool, but I've never made one. And but you know, I have a friend that works in film, and. You know, he says it's a lot of work. He's just a, you know, a PA and a set dresser. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a, a kid put out a film around here and he got it released on some, some you know, releasing company. It's like on DVD now. It's it's not that good of a movie. And it it's not, there's no style. There's no, there's nothing, you know, very unique about it. The story is very flat. I applaud him for doing that. But you know what the problem is, and you're 100 percent right. Hey, this is what I've noticed, starting with the digital age in the early 2000s, and it's just getting the technology is getting continually better. But you know, back in the day, if you were gonna, if there was so much expense involved in shooting a film, whether it be you know you, you had to have the equipment you were renting, you know, get a cast together, you had it cost you a lot of money. So. Um, you had to 
A, have some talent, B, get proof of concept, and then C, get somebody to pay for the movie, right? Yes. So you had to show promise. And now you can drop a couple hundred bucks on a digital camera and some, you know, a couple of mics, and you can actually go shoot something that looks good enough, but you haven't had to go through the, the you have basically, the, and again, this sounds like I'm being an asshole. I am not a filmmaker either, but I always tell people, you know what I am? I'm a consumer and I've been eating this shit up for most of my 50 years on the planet. And I'm telling you right now, as a consumer, I'm giving you my opinion and I'm completely qualified as a consumer to tell you what I'm seeing. And, you know, you have a lot of people that just have not paid their dues and actually figured out how to make a movie. So we're seeing they're not they have first of all, a lot of bad filmmakers that normally would have been weeded out have not been weeded out. And then secondly, the guys and gals who might be really good at it. We're seeing shit that should be like film school work that never gets seen. Yes, yeah. And right? then the hours you put craft. into it, man, the <clears throat> hours and the money, you're yeah. right. It's, 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 there are, I feel like there should be dues to be paid, but it's so easy yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. But there are so many, there's so many, you know, and this is what's exciting. Well, and the other thing is there's so many of them. It's super exciting, but at the same time, it's also meaning it's harder for them to break out. Oh, we got a, a fella up here working in Northeast Ohio named Jim Roberts who's making some fantastic fucking movies. Are you, if you guys coronavirus allowing, you are planning to come up to Wasteland, yeah, or not Wasteland, yes. but uh, Gross Fest. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Because if you come to Gross Fest, I'm going to introduce you to a whole new batch of guys. Um, there's a fellow named Jim Roberts who's absolutely fantastic. Um, there's a the, the, you know, have you ever seen The Barn? No, no, and I've heard great things about yeah. it. The Barn is a fantastic independent film that was shot up in that area. Um, there's a guy. There's another uh, another group of guys making movies uh the latest drive i think slaughterhouse drive is their latest movie um and then there's a a really super duper low budget filmmaker named steve rudinsky who's written some of the funniest shit i've ever seen um he what his the favorite movie i have that i've seen of his is called carousel and it's about a, a carousel horse that is sentient and finally completely loses his shit when a kid wipes a booger on him. So he goes on a killing spree. See, that's the shit. That's that bad shit. Crazy stuff from the eighties <clears throat> that I'm talking about. That's the yeah, stuff Steve, that I want to see. see. Yeah. And it's so awesome. It's so awesome. Cause he's actually built the Steve verse. All, all of his, you know, he's actually had unrelated movies and the characters overlap and then survivors from his movies go after the killers. Steve is insanely good and insanely fun and creative and his shit is is completely super low budget you can see you know how things are getting done and we're not talking hollywood but but it's so entertaining and so well made and so just funny that you just don't care you're like yeah i mean he has a curse uh, he has like um um there's a whole group of people that are super sexually into in his movies uh, in that one movie into uh, unicorns so when the carousel unicorn comes in, like there's this whole basically you get a sex scene with a with an actress in this this carousel unicorn, and they just keep you know it's just it's fucking insane. It's <laughs> it's so goddamn good. So uh, you know because I just wanted to say that because it sounds sometimes like I'm always ripping on independent filmmakers, but you know, guys, this is a if you really think about it, um, Halloween was an independent film. 
Night of the Living Dead was an independent film. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre was an independent film. I love independent films. And I think a lot of people who don't think they like independent films don't realize these were independent films. Friday the 13th got picked up by Paramount, but it was an independent film. <laughs> Phantasm was an independent film. Um, basically, all of the classic, super innovative horror films you can think of were not made in a studio. No, you know, and most yeah, of them are. It, like, most of the ones that are yeah. iconic. Uh, <clears throat> Evil Dead even, you know, that Evil is Dead. just yeah. a hard... The, the whole story behind that is actually just... It's pretty phenomenal. And most of those, even Texas Chainsaw, the the fact that they rented that equipment every day and had to shoot mm-hmm. as much as they could in a 12-hour time span, you know, to keep the budget under. And, you yep. know, they that's what I'm saying is that a lot of independent filmmakers now that don't know this stuff don't have to put in that effort because they can just yeah. shoot something, cut it on their on the computer, and then send it off to, you know, get it pressed on a DVD, which, like you said, there are great filmmakers out there, independent filmmakers that are doing it, and, you know, I've seen some of them too. But, you know, there's, like, it's it's harder for those talents to make waves, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, on, uh, I'm not... Again, I'm not wanting to sound like a jerk, but honestly, I go to conventions. People know who I am, especially the ones I attend to regularly, and I get handed shit, and I never turn it down. I always tell the people, I'm going to give you an honest review. Are you sure you want that? And then if if I really don't like something, I actually email the review before I put it up to the filmmaker, but I do cringe sometimes because I'm like, I don't want to be an asshole, but you know... Um, and there, and there've been times where people have gotten really, really mad at me. Um, you, do you remember, do you know who Chris Seaver is? No. Chris Seaver did, um, like bone Jack Hill. He did all these independent movies in, in the early two thousands. I know. I think he's moved on to bigger and better things. He's actually not a bad filmmaker, but he's, he sent me something. And I think he forgot that he sent it to me because he sent it to me. I watched it. I reviewed it for my old website and it was basically a bunch of dudes running around the woods, horsing around. And I'm like, and I savaged it because it wasn't framed. You couldn't tell the audio. It had no story. It was a, and, I, and I'm like, people, y'all going to spend your money on it. I can't recommend it. I got to be honest. And I, I got specifically into, into the, the, the camera work, the framing. I just didn't, I wasn't just mean. I pointed out all the flaws. And then I, I posted the review and then I sent him a link he sent me this huge fucking email like, who do you think you are? I'm a fucking filmmaker. What have you ever done? Blah, 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 blah. And my response was, I'm the fucking guy you sent the copy to review to. And I thought that was going to be awkward because he, he used to come to Cinema Wasteland. And I was like, all right, you know, sorry, dude, you sent it to me. I feel like there was a social contract involved there. And I think he figured out the he had sent it to me and he remembered who I was. It was like radio silence. And then the next Wasteland convention, I walked up to him, introduced myself, said, I'm John from Gut Munchers. I'm the guy you emailed. And you know what? To his credit, man, uh, he bought me a beer that night in the bar and we hung out for a little bit. So that's 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 awesome. <laughs> but but you know, you never know how that's gonna go because sometimes, man, sometimes, oh my God, it it can just get so nuts out there. I mean, like I've been doing this the web stuff now for about twenty years. And I've had people take two words out of one of my out of one of my reviews and take it from a negative to a positive. 
I had one dude who sent me a movie, and I'm like, this movie had all the potential to be, and I, this is what I have to think about when I'm writing. This guy had all the potential to make a really good movie, but totally failed. And then I see the DVD, and it's dot, 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 really good movie, dot, 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 and I'm on the fucking DVD cover with my name. What? And my site. My site. And I'm like, holy fuck. That's hey, not, hey, now I'm scared. I'm, yeah, I need to watch what yeah. I say. <laughs> no, but well, when you put it in print, yeah, you know, I'm like, you know, like, oh, oh. So like when I write something, I try to make sure I don't string words together that can be cherry picked. That's just some extra else you got to think about, you know, and it, it didn't matter because, I mean, I think the, the guy's the manager at Denny's now. His film company died after about six months. So whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is the kind of shit because like independent filmmakers are always desperate for a good blurb. And, and I, you know, but then at other times I've had people, the, the flip side of that is I've had guys go, you're the first person that got it. You're the first person that really dug it. Like I watched a movie and I gave it a pretty, I was like, yeah, the review's not great. You know, I wasn't a great review, but I, I noticed, and I actually said in my review, but holy shit, they know how to light a scene in an amazing way. They had, you know, with no money, they were shooting stuff with all these soft colors, like reds and purples. It looked like an Argento flick. And I'm like, you had no money. How did you do this? And I was in, then I got a really nice email back from the director. Like I dig it. Everything you said was true about all the other problems. And then he spent four paragraphs explaining to me how they did it. He the lighting. He answered all the specific questions about the lighting that I had. And I'm just like, send me your next movie, dude. Cause I feel like if nothing else, you know, and he had, and he's ended up. And I think he's. Um, I haven't been in touch with him for years because of my old site, but it's been about ten years. Last I heard, he actually was like a cinematographer for like television programs. Really? He found his niche. He could actually light a scene and shoot it. He was really good at that. So he quit trying to make movies and be a director and a writer, and he just said, "This is what I do good." And maybe it took just took that to find out his niche. You know what I mean? Like some people well, aren't filmmakers. You know? They're, yeah. They're they're, they're I'm techs. You know. <laughs> Hey, I, you know, I, I'm, I, the funniest thing when you do these reviews is the easiest way. Cause they always come back at you. Well, who are you? And I, and I always say, listen, man, I'm not a filmmaker. Like I said, I'm a consumer. I know what I like and I know why I like it and why I don't like it. So when I look at a movie, I'm going to tell people why I like it and don't like it. That's my opinion, you know? And, and, and there's some movies that I vehemently disagree with um, with people that I respect their opinion. You know, my friend Kyle and Tim, they love this movie called Spookies, which just got released on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I don't like the movie. I think it's stupid. They adore it. And there's a hardcore Spookies. Yeah, there's a hardcore Spookies following. Totally get it. They dig it. I have no problems with them loving the movie. I don't like it. But... I love Critters 2, which a lot of people shit all over. I think Critters 2 is a great movie. You know, so, I mean, there's the other one, uh, Broken Lizard did. Have you ever seen um, Club Dread? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that fucking movie. But whenever I, like, talk about it like it's a slasher movie, people are like, dude, you're an idiot. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but you know what? It's if you, if you pay attention to it, it's an actual, it works as a comedy and a parody, but it also works as a slasher movie. I always thought and, the formula was slasher <clears throat> to that movie. Yeah. It's a comedy. It's a parody of slasher movies. That It's one of those rare movies where you're parodying something, but you're also, like, making a really good example of it. You know, so, I don't know, man. 
I, you, you'll notice if you get me talking, I never shut the hell up. No, no, you're good. I'm glad. I'm, you know, I'm, when I have guests on now, I've been trying to do the guest thing more. And I'm always worried. I'm like, man, I hope they have a lot to say because I usually don't have a lot to say. <laughs> uh, trust me, I, that's never an issue with me. Well, I, I'm I'm glad you could join, man. And I think we've you know we've hit we're about an hour and twenty minutes in. Um, okay. I uh, do you wanna do you wanna plug maybe your your website and um, you know give me some information of what what's going on with you. Yeah. Um, well, my website is www.crappymoviereviews.com. Um, you can decide whether my reviews are the crap or the movies are the crap. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. Um, but crappymoviereviews.com is my site. Um, and it's really just a glorified glorified blog at this point. But that's what I do. Um, and hey, I also write for Midnight Magazine. In uh, Midnight Magazine, they have a big cartel site. If you do a look up there, uh, the other magazine that I write for, um, Grindhouse Purgatory, they're on they're on Amazon. If you follow Grindhouse Purgatory and on Amazon, you can buy the merch there. Um, I don't make a I don't make a dime off of anything that I do. So when I when I tell you that Midnight Magazine and that um, Grindhouse Purgatory are great magazines, I mean it. I just mean it because I know the people that work on it. They pour their heart and soul out and do it. Um, so please do, if you get a chance, check those out and maybe pick up a copy because you're supporting and you're supporting independent publishers just like gravely unusual. Um, and I can't, um, I, I can't wait to, to, to get my hands on a copy of the magazine and start contributing and getting kind of being part of your family there too. Dude. Um, and I'm very excited because, uh, guys, John has a really, really, really great article that I'm so pumped to get together and put put this out because uh this is it's great to have new contributors too man it's it's a lot of work and that's what a lot of people don't understand is it's a lot of work to put in a magazine so the more help you have the more appreciative you are and you know especially right now it is a perfect time to be supporting independent publishers because even you know the comic industry is not it's barely hanging on by a thread right now and yeah um especially magazines and stuff like that. So, um, guys, please support this stuff. Midnight magazine. Um, I'm actually looking at a copy right now and the fifth issue is just probably the best yet, which your article on, um, uh, hell van, right? You did the hell van article. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the independent filmmakers. That's Jorge. Yeah. Great guy. Great yeah, guy. I cannot wait for that movie. <laughs> I'm so no, pumped it's, on it's that. A, this is a, this is a labor of love from Jorge. He's a true independent filmmaker. He, uh, shoots on the weekends when he can get people together. Um, so it might be another year or so before he gets her all sorted out. But uh, Jim Roberts, who I, I mentioned earlier, is actually a cinematographer. So, um, yeah. And Jim Jim has this Jim Roberts has this lovely, just lovely, normal looking mom, just the sweetest lady in the world. She has from the very beginning years ago when Jim started making movies, she's become like the go to person for special effects. So if you look at that article with all the shit hanging off them dudes and especially the guy that looks like he's covered in teeth, this is sweet little lady just doing it. It's so crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like she's making a casserole. She's got like oats and shit mixing them up. And I'm like, how's this going to work? And then she's done. And I'm just like, holy fuck, that, that looks creepy as hell. And I saw what you made it out of. Who knew Rice Krispies could be so goddamn freaking looking? See, and that's the that's the ambition, man. That that's the ambition yeah. that I want to see. Um, you know, I I love like 
I'm trailing off again, but um, like shot on video movies, like from like mm-hmm. the late eighties and early nineties. Um, God, I love those movies. Just the way they look, they like, and you were talking about lighting them on VHS, you know, some of those filmmakers really do have, have a talent for that. And some of those oh, yeah. movies are compelling and pretty good for being oh, yeah. so, so God awful. Um, hey, you ever seen uh, McBride's cannibal camp out? No, I have not seen that. Hey, everybody talks wood chipper massacre because of the title. Cannibal Camp Out's a way better movie. Really? I will have to check yeah. that out. I, I've seen yeah. Black Devil Doll from Hell. That one's a very, very yeah. odd one, but very creepy. Um, I don't... Was was uh, Truth or Dare shot on on video? I, I, I don't have, I don't know that one. That's hey. a Tim Ritter movie. It's really, really good. Um, oh, yeah. Is that the one where he put, has the toxic waste in his backyard? Yeah, 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 like the, yeah. Yeah, that's a shot on video. Yeah, I actually yeah. interviewed Tim Ritter. He's a hell of a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He gave me that copy that I have. <laughs> I just ran into him at a convention, and I was like, oh, dude, these look awesome. He's like, here, man, take this, and gave me like, two copies of his movies. I was like, dude, awesome, and yeah, and I actually read an article about um, they do an an article in uh, uh, Fangoria now called Malignant Growths, and it's about shot on video movies from back in the day that S. Craig Zoller writes about, which is very very cool. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> sorry, trail hey, off. You you need to uh, you need to reach out to Eric and ask him about. Uh, I think it's. Milwaukee massacre or something like that. I I wrote about it in one of the in one of the magazines. Um it's a shot on video slasher movie. Um no, it's Milwaukee murders, I think is what it is. It's a shot on video um and it's got the weirdest history because uh literally it never got released. And years later somebody bought what they thought was a blank tape at a v- and this is a bu- not a bullshit story somebody bought a, what they thought was a blank tape and ended up finding the movie tracked down the guy that made it and the guy's like holy shit that one of them got out <laughs> um it's not a good film but i think there's like maybe seven or eight copies like in the entire fucking world i actually reviewed it for midnight magazine because for just one of my oddities things to, so you I, you've yeah. watched it then the yeah, That's yeah, crazy. yeah. I, I am one of the seven or eight copies in the world. No way! Wow. Yeah, yeah. But Eric's got a Eric's got a copy. And you might, if you want to hit him up, just uh, if you really like, if you want to watch like super obscure shit. Um, and you know, I'll gonna be honest. It's not a good movie. It's not a great film at all. But you can see the ambition, and it's sad that they just kind of stopped. They all just stopped. You guys should rip that. You, someone needs to rip that and send well, a copy. The guy. That, I, yeah, I know the guy. The guy. I I don't know that. I I don't know that that's not probably going to end up happening at some point. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. There's so much. There's you know, I, I tell you, I've been doing this for a long time, and there's always, always something old that I'd never heard of. I'm always finding shit, and I've been living this stuff. So there's a lot out there, and if you're interested in st- and things, man. You just got to look a little bit and you'll find them. You got the internet now, man. That's a huge toll for people. You know, imagine, I remember trying to track shit down based on rumors and half titles and flipping through magazines in the 80s and flipping through catalogs trying to order something at video stores at 80, 90 bucks a pop and not knowing if that was exactly what you wanted. No IMDB. So you guys got it easy now. You should take advantage of it and track some good shit down. Well, John, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, Thank you been a pleasure guys this is gravely unusual lives 
And uh, yeah, check us out on gravelandusual.bigcartel.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. It's at gravelandusual. And this episode should be up. I'll try to get it up tonight, man, so all the listeners can check it out, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, man. All right, I'll talk to you later.